Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? It is a day in which there's really no news except for you know three players casually just from Cincinnati going to the Olympics. The Reds just you know taking taking a nice a nice series win from the Milwaukee Brewers, putting themselves in contention for the division. The Bengals are just doing whatever the heck the Bengals do. Uh, but the Bearcats are out here rocking and rolling. The hype train is in the station. It is loaded up uh, with nuclear physical materials getting ready to explode because it is a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat sports fan. That is quite the introduction for July 11th. I'm impressed, Hummer. I'm impressed with the enthusiasm you worked up for this uh, lovely summer evening. Hummer, we're also joined from the get-go here by a friend of ours, the councilman. He's back, Joe Barnett. Joe, welcome back to the podcast, sir. Happy Sunday, boys. Happy Sunday. We're going to drop an episode for the start of the week. We're back on our normal schedule here for the uh, foreseeable future, although it's the offseason, so you never know. Things come up. Things happen. <laughs> we get lazy. I can't make any promises, but we are building up to our, our normal football slash basketball season schedule coming up here in a few weeks. But let's keep this episode, this week's episode short, gentlemen. Let's get straight into the meat and potatoes of what we intend to talk about this week, and that would be wide receivers for the Cincinnati Bearcats football team. We continue our position preview for the Cincinnati Bearcats football team, a preseason top 10 team. I mean, I don't even think it's a hot take to say this is the this is the team with the most expectations and most talent in Cincinnati Bearcat football history. Uh, when you consider where they're starting at the start of the season in terms of how they're being perceived on a national level. Um, let's get into it though. We're kind of working our way down position groups. Last week, we talked about the defensive line this week. We're talking about another position group that saw and experienced very little turnover year over year. And a position group that I think I, I'll, I'll get your take to, on it to start here, Joe. Um, what are the expectations, or what what is the overall feel of this position group with the wide receivers that Bearcat fans should be looking for this coming season? I think this year with the wide receivers, you're looking for these guys to take a step forward. Uh, they have improved over the past couple of years, ever since that total loser, Joker Phillips was asked to move on with his, the wide receiver room that he basically destroyed. So we've been rebuilding the past couple of years and we're starting to see some guys break out. Um, we did return six of our seven top receivers from last year. Uh, unfortunately, we did lose our number one receiver in yards, uh, Jay Sean Jackson, who transferred to Ball State, chirp, chirp, <laughs> so that one's kind of surprising, but I, I think we can get past the sting of that. He did. He had about 330 something yards and one touchdown last year. So uh, good luck to him in the future. Hope things work out for him in Muncie, Indiana. But uh, I think the wide receiver room is going to be just fine without him. Get so out of I here, you bum. 
I, I kind of want to probe a little bit here, Joe, and the, the disdain in your voice when talking about Joker Phillips, who, as I Google him, I see that he is now the assistant head coach and wide receivers coach at North Carolina State. What's the what's the history there in terms of your personal disdain for him um, during his time at UC? Well, it really stems back to his time when he was the head coach of Kentucky, because you know, every, everyone that coaches at Kentucky thinks that they're a, a real big time football program. They end up getting stealing recruits that we're going after. And then these kids go seven and five and play in the music city bowl every year. <laughs> so that was the main reason I don't like Joker Phillips, but he's just, he's a terrible coach. I mean, if you look, it seems like he's got a new job every year. So clearly it's a hem problem. And the wide receiver room when he left was hot garbage. And I think you, I don't think you'd find anybody else that would argue that. Looking at his roster, he started in 88, 89, Kentucky assistant, 90. I don't know what RC is. Recruiting coordinator. <laughs> Recruiting coordinator. And then he was a wide receivers Kentucky, coach at Kentucky from 91 to 96. Cincinnati, 97, wide receiver coach again. 98, defensive backs. Minnesota, Notre Dame, South Carolina. Kentucky, bunch of different roles. Head coach for two years, sucked. Florida, who cares? Cleveland Brown, fit 2015, that was a disaster. Ohio State, only made it one season there. Cincinnati, you know what? Goodbye. Bye. Honestly, I mean, I thought you were going to do the full rundown. I think you overlooked oh, you want me, position you want me to changes keep going? there. No, I just, I, I, I wasn't, this is an There's unexpected so ethering of Joker Phillips on the podcast. I just did not, I did not turn on the, the Zoom recording today expecting Joker Phillips to just get absolutely A-bombed on the podcast. But you and Joe are here for it. I appreciate it. I appreciate the honesty. His most recent stint with UC was 2017, 2018. And then he became the the co-offensive coordinator at Maryland in 2019-20, and now he has shifted his talents to North Carolina State this season. It is There is a lot of turnover. There's a lot of team jumping. Look, and, he's a um, boomer. At the end of the day, he's a boomer. It is what it is. <laughs> and, you know, he just doesn't get it, okay? He just doesn't he, he get it. He was always trying to be hip, too. I remember he would always, like, send out these stupid uh, pictures on Twitter, and it would be, like, him in, like, a Joker photoshopped outfit and it's like come play for the joker Ooh, it, was, <laughs> it was pretty cringy cringe too bad cringe. too bad too bad uh fickle can't put on his shirt come play for big dick fick <laughs> i'll yeah i think he can he can do whatever he wants <laughs> going into I, a 17 year old's living room come play for big dick fick <laughs> the program does a much better job just micromanaging the 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 aesthetic they're putting out from the coaching staff. It seems to be in unison. They're all using the same gifts. They're all using the same type of imaging. And uh, it, you don't see a lot of rogue players online. It seems like there's they, a lot they of They leave that to us. They leave that to the fans. They let us go buck wild because, frankly, there's nothing they can do about it. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's true. Uh, That's true. They, well, let let's, us, they let us get away with it. Let's talk a little bit about the top of this position group. The guys we're expecting the most from I'm going to, I'm going to push two names in front of you here to start Joe. And that would be Alec Pierce and Michael young jr. When I look at this roster and the wide receiver group in particular, and, and honestly, Alec Pierce is probably the start of the conversation because he's someone who has struggled with injuries historically, but when he's in the lineup, it adds a completely different dimension to the team that I think is a huge 
role in terms of what it does in, in terms of relieving pressure on other guys like Josh Wiley, the running game, and even Michael Young Jr. So what do you think about those top two on the depth chart with Alec Pierce and Michael Young Jr.? I think if Alec Pierce can stay healthy this year, he's going to have a pretty big year. He only played in six games last year. And he finished in fourth in receiving yards on the team. So realistically, if he would have played all 10 games, he probably would have been the leading receiver far and away. Um, he's so big, I think out- he's fast, he's physical. Um, multiple times last season, you see Ritter go downfield and, and Pierce is, seems to be the type of receiver who's just, I'm going to go and get it. I mean, he's 6'3", 213. He is a physical specimen out there on the field. Yeah, he's got a huge catch radius, um, and it just seems like if Ritter gets the ball downfield and gets it in a position, he'll go up and get it, and his body be damned for it. It seems like Michael Young Jr. complements him pretty well in terms of what he brings to the table. Um, It was his first year at the Bearcats last season. He was a transfer from Notre Dame. He's got the pedigree in terms of talent. But his, his physical profile is a lot different. 5'10", 190. Last season, he had 29 catches for 332 yards and three touchdowns. When I watched him play, it was much more precise. He's not necessarily the downfield threat that Alec Pierce is, but he seemed to just be honing in on that, that short route to intermediate route area and consistently was open. Even if he wasn't necessarily being thrown to, Michael Young Jr. seems to have a knack for getting open. Do I have that right? Yeah, he's got great footwork. Uh, his routes are real crisp from what I from what I've seen, and uh, you know he plays a lot of outside receiver, so he plays a lot of number two, but he shifts inside to the slot as well. Um, so I think he's a good complement for Pierce. The th- the hardest thing is going to be if one of those two guys goes down, who's going to be the next man up? Great transition, Joe. Um, next man up, I'm going to ask you about maybe my favorite wide receiver on the Bearcats team. And I'm, I'm not sure that he's who, the guy you had in mind in terms of the next man up, but he is a player that I find. I just constantly want to see him with the ball. He's explosive. He's electric. He's exciting. He was returning kicks last season. I expect him to do the same this year. But Trey Tucker, um, he's entering his junior year. Absolutely dynamite from a speed standpoint. Do you see him? finding a bigger role on the team this season. It's hard to kind of envision that because of how much talent there is at every other position, both with wide receiver, but also running back tight end. There's just too many mouths to feed, but what do you, what do you see in Trey Tucker or like in Trey Tucker that you could see the Bearcats taking advantage of this season? I think that Trey Tucker is going to have a big season this year, especially with um, Jay Sean Jackson moving on because they kind of competed for snaps on the inside of uh, the receiver set. So I think he'll break out. I think he'll continue to get a lot of yards and yeah, you're right. He is explosive. He's got a lot of speed. Uh, and I think as long as one of these freshmen doesn't surprise on special teams, you'll see him returning kicks and punts again this year. I feel like Tucker reminds me of another, one of my favorite players from back in the day. And I can't even remember the the year span that he was with UC, but but Ralph David Abernathy the fourth, do I have that name right? Do I, am I getting the the number right on his name? But he he reminds me of him where it's just he's he's not necessarily going to be running downfield routes, but it's like it's it's a lot of wide receiver screens or gadget plays, 
where it's just, let's get the ball in your hands and you're going to make something happen with it. And they, they seem to find a way to do that with Trey, you know, one or two times a game. And I'd love to see if they can increase that in, this com- in the coming season. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good comparison. Uh, the only thing you're missing with uh, RDA4 is when uh, Tuberville was here and was running him up the gut three downs in a row every time when he was like 5'9", 180 pounds and just pummeled him into the ground. Yeah, well, uh, Tuberville, I, I don't know what to say. I'm just every, every time we do a podcast about our football team and if we dare to uh, go back and revisit any player from that era, it just seems like they were uh, utilized in a way that was less than ideal. The decision-making uh, from Mr. Tuberville leaves much to be desired. Yes, politically and uh, football-wise. I mean, I personally think he was one of the best coaches that we've ever had. He should have a statue outside. Uh, and his home should be burnt to the ground. Well, we're going to see a flaming better. pile of shit to your porch, Hummer. <laughs> Joke's on you. I don't have a porch. <laughs> the the, uh, the f- building foreman's going to walk out and be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> That's uh, fantastic. So who else would be in line to potentially get you know, a higher workload at the receiver position or be a candidate to get, you know, get a bigger workload when Alec Pierce misses a few games this season, who, who would that player be? Would it be Jordan Jones? Uh, I think Jordan Jones has that potential. Um, we don't really, we don't really have a guy that I've been able to see much of that would be like a true comparison. Cause Alex's so big and athletic. Uh, I think Jaden Thompson could fill in, in that role. Uh, he, he had six catches last year. So probably some combination between the guys we've already discussed and Jaden Thompson are most likely to kind of replace him. I know that last year when before uh, Pierce came back, they ran out uh, Jay Sean Jackson, Trey Tucker, Jordan Jones, and Michael Young were like their their four man set. I was gonna say with the, with the with Jason Jackson deciding to do whatever it is he wanted to do. Uh, you know, that's, that's a big chunk. That's almost a, you know, he was the leading, leading wide receiver outside of the, uh, the tight end position. Um, but the fourth person or the fifth person down last year would have been Jordan Jones. So that's who I would see seeing step up. Um, and then I think you're going to see like Jaden Thompson or, or Tyler Scott kind of moving up on that, on the totem pole in that front. So I just, I think you're just going to see every kind of scoot up because it is that next man up. And, and I think you're going to see the next man up this year is going to be Jordan Jones. And I think you're going to see below that Jaden Thompson stepping up into kind of that role where you're getting that, that, you know, 10, 12 probably catches this year. Um, and you're going to see Tyler Scott maybe jump up and where he's going to get maybe 10 or 10 or 15 receptions this year. Who, who are the deep threats on this team outside of Alec Pierce? Who are the guys that, that might be downfield threats? Um, and it's, I look, I know it's not a huge part of Ritter's game. It's been an area of weakness. He doesn't have the best downfield accuracy, but it does seem like the coaching staff likes mixing in those types of plays as a way of relieving the pressure for the short passing game, for the running opportunities. So outside of Pierce, in the event that he sees another few games missed because of, you know, knickknack injuries, who would be those types of players, even younger players who could offer that, that, that type of speed? So this is a guy that has been around for a couple of years and he's been, he's been dinged up, but if blue Smith is healthy, 
that's the guy. He's 6'5", 215. Uh, I heard good things about him in the spring, but he, he didn't play in the spring game, so I didn't get to see him in person. But he was a, a big recruit for Ohio State in football and basketball when he came out of high school. So if he can stay healthy, he he's definitely a guy I could see climbing up the depth chart pretty quick. Uh, Jaden Thompson is another guy we mentioned that has that size. He's 6'2". And then uh, another guy we talked about a little bit, Chris Scott, he's 6'2 as well. So if you're looking for an Alec Pierce comparison, you're definitely going to be looking for one of those tall guys with a big catch radius that, you know, with Dez's, I don't want to say inaccuracy downfield, but it's not his, the biggest call part of what his it game. Is. Call spade a spade. He, that was the one of the bigger struggles he had last year was his accuracy down the field. I mean, if, if, if you were pointing out last, like during last year's season, what was this throughout the whole season? I feel like the conversation was, is Des going to be accurate? Is that going to be the, uh, what do you want to say? The, the, the holding back of Des, of Des Ritter. Is that, is that going to be the element of his game he needs to work on? Cause that's, I think what we said we need to see this year is we need to see more accuracy downfield. We missed a lot of open throws last year, not just to Alex Pierce, but we have a lot of speed at the wide receiver position too. That you, sh- you know, we have guys that are getting open. We're just not hitting them because of the inac- inaccuracies there. Uh, Shot, can't fired. disagree. Can't disagree. Hopefully, uh, Ritter's time out at the uh, Jordan Palmer Passing Academy this week uh, will help him with his downfield throws. I believe in thick. I believe in fix magic. <laughs> not fit, not fits magic. Fix magic. <laughs> We uh, we're reaching that point as a Cincinnati Bearcats fan base when we just if we if we question anything or have any doubts about any position group, our answer is always going to be ah, fix got it, fix got it. You know, fix magic. He's gonna he's gonna you know sprinkle some some holy water on their foreheads and and they're gonna magically start playing better. Fix got it. He he is an Adonis, so he can he can give off some of that god energy. <laughs> Give it to his children and his uh, cohorts and get us to the promised land. After every practice, they take his his shirt and they they wring it out over a funnel and they collect the sweat into jars. And then they take that jar and they put it into one of those little, you know, Mesa Mesa distributors. And then, you know, be healed, (laughs) be accurate, be better passers, (laughs) be better defenders. (laughs) I love it. So I am proud of us and, and you in particular, Joe, we were asking for players, maybe younger players who, who have a similar physical profile, but also maybe style of wide receiver style of play from the receiver position that might be uh, able to mimic what Pierce does. And, and look, hopefully Pierce plays every game and, and it's not necessary to, to speculate on who's getting snaps, but injuries are a part of this game. We have 19 wide receivers on our roster last I ch- last time I checked. So there's plenty of depth here, and there's a lot of interesting guys to talk about in terms of projecting their talent and, and future prospects on the team. I am proud of you that you didn't default to uh, comparing him to the other highly touted white wide receiver who's coming in this freshman year uh, in Drew Donnelly, who also is 6'2", 175, has pretty good size, also a burner. We've all seen the 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 treadmill videos online by this point of him just you know he's he's a speedster on the treadmill so proud of you and and us as a podcast of not making that that obvious comparison although maybe I'm kind of doing it now by even bringing it up but 
Um, who else should we talk about today at the receiver position, be it, you know, a sophomore junior who might come into their own after having a couple years under their belt of learning the program, getting more physical, uh, building out their strength a little bit. Who are you keeping an eye on as sort of a wild card at this position group? So I'll just hit on uh, Donley real quick as well. I think if he would have been here for spring practice, he probably would have an opportunity to get some run, but he came in late or not late. He came in with, uh, you know, the summer enrollees. So I think that'll probably be the big part of what's holding him back because he didn't have his time with uh, Brady, the madman, to get his college body in shape. Um, but one guy that I saw that really impressed me in the spring game was Will Pauling. Uh, he's a true freshman enrolled early. He is a burner. I mean, I saw him catch us. He caught a throw over the middle in the spring game and took it to the house and nobody was even close to him. So I think that's a guy that you could see getting some run in the slot position and just making plays and taking off. It's also, I mean, looking through the depth chart here and, and some of the talent, it, it explains why Jay Sean Jackson chose to move on. I'm actually surprised maybe more guys didn't when you just look at how many, how many guys are on this roster, but um, I'm, I'm surprised. It's just, it's, it's so deep. There's so many interesting talents on here. It doesn't feel like a position group that I'm necessarily worried about going into the season. And it might be because of how we've built out our team and how our offense really functions. Um, we're not a team that's just going to be pinging it around the field, throwing it, you know, 40, 50 times a game. I think Dez's ideal number is probably more like 30 attempts a game. So we're not going to necessarily lean on our, our receivers from a volume standpoint, but it, it did prove out and bear out last year that someone like Alec Pierce is immensely important because you do have to have the ability of taking the top off of defense. Um, so that I, I do get curious about guys who have that ability in particular. Um, to help stretch the field and and put pressure on the defense and and other team safeties. Yeah, I think that may have been a factor in uh, Jay Sean deciding to take off that. And we do run a lot of like runs out of like RPOs and we do run the ball a lot. So he was probably looking at the volume not being there, especially with all these other guys on the team. Cause I don't think he would have lost his spot. He's very talented. So right. um but yeah, there's a lot of guys in that room now. And, you know, I don't think most people were expecting Michael Young and Jordan Jones to return because they both, you know, could have been graduates. So I was very surprised that both of them decided to come back, especially with how deep this room is. But uh, whenever you've got quote unquote power five transfers that come into the program, it's good that they want to stick around. True that. So what else am I missing on here, Joe or Hummer, that we think we should chat about as it pertains to this position group? And, and it could be about individual players. It could be um, the style of play that, that Denbrock or, or maybe what Denbrock is he asks of his receivers. Um, what are some things maybe that we haven't touched on that we should mention? I know one big thing for Denbrock is the receivers need to be able to block and from what I've seen, you know, a lot of the receivers are pretty good blockers. So, you know, his offense is predicated on the run, especially under fickle. So, you know, a lot of guys just getting into open space and, and making plays on the ball. Uh, but I don't really see anything too groundbreaking from his pass offense, but you know, he, when he's got the right players, it seemed to click pretty well. 
I was going to say something similar because our our passing was was roughly 19 touchdowns on, on the, in the air last year versus 28 on the ground, might be 29 on the ground. That was a very very heavily passing. I actually wouldn't mind seeing you know that number go up. I think there was a lot of that though is is out of necessarily the, isn't necessarily within their control. It goes back to the accuracy that we've talked about with Des Ritter. Um, hitting these guys when they're open, when they're open downfield, uh, you got to hit them. Um, there's there's multiple times last year. I, I want to say we probably counted six touchdowns that we should have had uh, with wide open guys that were 25 yards downfield, wide open, um, just in the first four games of the season last year. So, I mean, I feel like they probably do shoot for that to be, you know, 50-50. It's just execution-wise, it comes out to be more in favor of the run, especially when you look at the personnel we have in the backfield Running the ball, Des Ritter obviously stands out. Great with his legs, great decision making when it comes to whether to pass or take off. And and last year with um, with Dokes and then with Jerome Ford in the back backfield. I mean, those are two great runners that you're just you got to put the ball in their hands. Um, and Jerome Ford, that's obviously going to increase this year, you know, significantly with what he's going to be able to do. Um, and I'm, that's probably what I'm most excited about. I know we've already done running backs, but with 73 touches last year, eight eight touchdowns. Uh, Jared Dokes did that with 144 touches with seven touchdowns. So I'm, I'm thinking that we can be more efficient with Jerome Ford. I think we can be more efficient with, with the passes that we're going to do. Alex Pierce stays healthy. He's going to be a clear number one if he keeps his if he keeps that average per, per attempt up there. Uh, but I think that's what's going to be tough, honestly, is expecting Alex Pierce to come out and maintain, you know, 18, 19, 20 points or 20 yards per catch throughout the entire season. Uh, I just think that's going to be hard for him to, to maintain. So I'd be curious to see how they're going to spread that around uh, to make sure that we're being as efficient as we can on that side of the, on that, that position group. I couldn't I, have said it any better myself. I was looking back at the, at the early box scores from last season when Ritter, Ritter was struggling the most. And, and one big thing from that is that Pierce was out, but it, it is interesting to see that, uh, Jay Sean Jackson was a leading receiver in multiple games early on in the season. But what I remember from watching those games, and I'm really thinking about the, the uh, army matchup, but also the USF game, that first USF game, not first, but the USF game early in the season, it seemed like the coaching staff had a lot of confidence in the players in that wide receiver group. Like it seemed like they came out last year, really wanting to show off the toys at their disposal. Like, look at all this talent we have. We want to try and force the ball to Michael Young Jr. Look at Jackson. Look at Tucker. Like, we've got a lot of guys, and we really believe in them, and we think this is how we can thrive as an offense. And then they ended up kind of recalibrating how they were going to function, making sure that they were prioritizing run over, over pass, and then, you know, building your passing game off of the success you have in the running game. Um, so... I say all that as to emphasize the fact that I really do believe the coaching staff thinks highly of the talent they have on the roster in this position group. I think they know they can get open. They know they can provide, you know, good throwing windows for Ritter. Um, but I do think that they will, again, probably from the get-go this year, the, that that group is going to thrive off of the success we have in our run game, first and foremost. Do you agree? Yeah. I agree 100%. And I think the biggest factor in the wide receiver group last year, maybe not, I don't want to say not meeting expectations, but not blowing us out of the water like the coaching staff was probably hoping, was 
you had a lot of new guys coming into that room. You had a wide receiver coach that was entering his second year in Mike Brown, uh, no relation to the Bengals owner, Mike Brown. And uh, the, the biggest thing was they missed a lot of spring practice where they build that comfortability with each other and the timing. And then all summer long, we're going through COVID protocols and I'm sure camp higher ground wasn't exactly the same. So they didn't have as much opportunity to get that timing down. And then you saw later in the year where Ritter was getting more comfortable with Michael Young and Jordan Jones. So I think a year with the same group is going to pay dividends this year. I agree. I think, um, I think we're in a good spot with this group and there's just, there's a lot more practice time. There's a lot more cohesiveness this season. There's not as much disruption or uncertainty and hopefully that continues to be the case going forward. Um, yeah, I think I, I, I've, I'm excited about this position group. I'm excited about the, you know, the, the talents and maybe the varying talents to have. These aren't all the same types of players. There's lots of different skill sets here, and I think it'll balance well um, as, as, a, as a receiving group for Des Ritter. My last uh, prediction want is I want to see Michael Young come out in early October uh, against a former – coach a former team and i just want to see him have one of those you know what i told you so games i want to see that negative rushing yard stat turn positive okay i want to see at least seven rushing yards against notre dame <laughs> i want to see a hundred and plus on the receiving column for him uh i want to see him just have a, a an awesome awesome game against notre dame i know those narratives are stupid i know they're bs but i want to see it you're turning me on hummer <laughs> Joe loves it. Here's here's one thing I really want to see this year. I want to see Evan Prater throw a touchdown to his older brother in one of these games. Oh, I'd love that. I would I'm, absolutely love that. I'm guessing there's some potential for that in a Murray State Racers game that some people here may be in attendance for. Yeah. Let's get it done. <laughs> the boys are back in town. Prater's huge, by the way. On Twitter, the the older Prater, Garen Prater, six six. I'd love to see it. That's a great way to kind of let him go out this year, is to have a a, a Prater to Prater connection. I like that as sort of a as sort of a, a vision board item for our Bearcat season. Joe, good call. That would be great. You know, if there was a football version of one shining moment, that would be on it for sure. <laughs> That's how we get a movie made about this season, all right? Yeah. That has to happen. I don't know that you could get two guys with that great of hair, though. Like, they, they'd almost have to play themselves. If you're listening, head and shoulders, uh, you got two guys in Cincinnati that could use a couple extra bucks in their pocket. If you want to throw in a basketball player, I think we've got one of those, too, for you. Oh, yeah. He loves Smoothie King. <laughs> Well, we'll leave it there, boys. Good rundown of the wide receiver group. Who are we going to go after next week, Joe? I think next week we're going to pop back over to the defensive side, and I think we're going to be talking about the safety room. We lost uh, lost a couple guys, but we've got some experience in that position. So, uh, again, depth is king. And, and We have it. We have it, and it, it feels like we have more of it than we've ever had in our history. It's pretty remarkable. Without a doubt. I mean, you look at the 08 and 09 teams, they were great. 
but depth was just not there. You had guys playing, you know, over their recruiting rankings, quote unquote. Uh, you had a lot of heart on those teams, but what you know, the depth just wasn't there. And now there's very few positions that I look at on this team. And if somebody goes down, I'm not panicking anymore like I would have been in 08 or 09. Earlier in the week, Chad Brendel sent it sent a tweet out about you know how I did he, I know you? I was about to I was about to like I'm gonna say jump it. all over that. <laughs> yeah, well, he sent a hot he sent a, a tweet out that was saying a, a hot take would be that this is the most talented team in Bearcats football history, and I think the statement itself is completely accurate, except for the fact that it's just not a hot take. That's that's the thing about this team. I think it's so talented and deep that that statement itself is not even a hot take anymore because it's just so clear that the roster from top to bottom is as deep as it's ever been. And and I would argue last year's team even exceeded the 08 and 09 teams because they went to a major bowl game and didn't get stomped. Right. So, you know, going from last year to this year, I would only think it would be getting better, especially since the pieces they lost weren't super critical minus uh, a targeting offensive lineman. That's also the thing. It's like it's hard to, and this isn't trying to knock the the program in a sense because this comment probably will. You know, it's hard to like have a hot take about the greatest UC team of all time when there's arguably been four or five great UC teams in the history of of UC football. You know, and this one is just it's so far about like it's so obvious to everybody who's following the program that this year is shaping up to be, as of today, one of the best teams that we've ever had playing on nip in nipper stadium like that is it's obvious so it's not a hot take and i'm like it's like a hot take you're going out on a limb and be like you know what hot take luke fickle wins uh wins the national championship he he's uh he's getting a statue out front he's a hall of fame coach for for life right whatever that is whatever i like to do when it comes to hot taking john brandon hot taking uh, Wes miller like it's just not a hot take. It's it's very obvious what we have here with this team. It's going to be a special season. And look, I'm all for bandwagon fans, okay? There's plenty of room on this train. Hop on board, come down to Nippert Stadium, make it rock, watch them on TV, go to the away games, have some fun with it. This is going to be a season that you it's going to be so much fun. Last year was a lot of fun. This one's going to be on steroids, considering the fact that basically the pandemic is over. We're going to have full stadiums. Nippert's going to be absolutely rocking and rolling. And from what I can hear from everybody that I've talked to who says they're going to the Notre Dame game, apparently that stadium is going to be at least 25% UC fans. Um, it's going to be absolutely an insane season. We're going to kick Brian Kelly's fucking ass we're going yeah. to fucking destroy him and look hop on man it's here we're ready for it they're the only hot take you can't give a hot take about this team this year it's impossible to have a hot take unless your hot take is all oh, the bearcats are gonna they're they're not gonna they're, they're not gonna make a, a new year's six bowl that would be a hot take i don't want to step your on jackass for making summer. that one no i don't want to step on future episodes but here's the thing I just want to remind people that the way we are doing our position previews with Joe is we are starting and have started with the position groups that have the most certainty around them, right? When we talk about Des Ritter, there's no questions. There's no complications there. We know exactly what we have. Can he make improvements? Sure. But we don't, there's no question marks around what's happening there. And we're working our way down toward position groups that have less certainty. 
<laughs> and I do think we're going to eventually talk about a position group as we get close to training camp um, or maybe even yeah, closer to training camp. You know, guys will be at higher ground. We'll have a better sense of what's happening from the injury front, how guys are shaping up, what we're hearing whispers out of the out of higher ground. Look, we're going to have to have a tough conversation about the offensive line, because I do think that is the biggest question mark surrounding this team. We're going to go into it in a much deeper level on a future episode. But I do think that is a position group that is immensely important and can be a potential Achilles heel of sorts for this team. And if I were going to build out a hot take on this team, it would be that the potential, the potential lack of talent in that position group or the lack of production that we have there because of the loss of James Hudson um, and others, that could potentially be what brings us down in the biggest games of the year against the likes of Notre Dame, Indiana, um, and maybe in, even in the AAC championship game. I'm just letting you know, like the formulation hey, I, I, look, I'm now of a hot take, that would be statement. the hot take. I'm retracting my statement that you can't have a hot take about this team unless that is definitely, that is the definition of a hot take. You're going against the grain of generally what everybody would say. We'll get there. We'll get there, Joe. Uh, appreciate you coming back on the podcast, sir. I think can we get there now? <laughs> I, I think uh, I think we're going to have to see what happens out at Camp Higher Ground before we have some more certainty on the offensive line, and that's actually why I'm saving that one because there's a lot of question marks, a lot of young talent transfers. So it'll be interesting to see how that shapes up. Um, but you know, if you look at UC under Ritter they took a pretty big step backwards in his second season and the offensive line was not as good as it was the previous year. So that's going to be a big question mark. And uh, I think we're, I think we'll be okay, but it was such a big step in the right direction when Hudson came in and the Birmingham bowl, it was like a a completely different team Uh, like him or not uh, put me in the not category, but um Oh, what's happening? Go hey, what? Man. Why? What? He, because he broke, of the penalty? That's it. He broke my heart, man. He oh. broke my heart. That's a hot take, isn't it? Ah, <laughs> uh, it just—it feels punitive. It feels too yeah. punitive. I mean, he yeah. made it was—it was an—it was an unbelievably. I mean, it was, it was a devastating error. It was an egregious error in the heat of the moment in one of the biggest games in our history as a program. And so from that vantage point, he it had became a lot to clearly, do. It became very obvious very quickly how important he is or was to right. the offensive line. You could have made an argument. He was the MVP of the team last season. In fact, I think I would call him that. Like, I wish we would have talked about this specifically last year, but he was so freaking valuable to what we did as a team. And I think you're right, Joe, like, he came into a bowl game at the end of the previous season, and it was obvious from the get-go, like, oh, my God, he's going to make a huge, huge difference. And he did, and he made that difference all season, every single game, and then was ejected right before halftime, and everything kind of fell apart from there. So if, if you operate from the vantage point of, hey, this is one of the most valuable three players on our team last season, and we lost him, it seems like a big deal. And it's not as easy to replace – you know, left tackle production and it's harder to measure it. It's harder to gauge it, but trust me, you know, it when you see it, when it's not as good. And we, we saw it plenty um, in the, in the 2019 season. Well, no, he will. He only played one game in 2019. 
I'm saying we saw it without. Oh, yeah. Like when, gotcha. we, when, when he when he wasn't on the field and we didn't have very good left tackle play, you know it when you see it. Like it's right. very obvious when your quarterback's running around like a chicken with his head cut off because he's not getting any sort of protection. And so everything can fall apart from there. And it'll be very interesting to talk about. I, I'm fine letting it play out. I think it's fair and it's the right thing to do to wait for camp higher ground, wait to hear who's starting and, and projected to get the majority of snaps at these positions. But like we can't fool ourselves into thinking this isn't a major concern and a major question mark for the team in the future for the season. Absolutely. And, and we're in a very good position where that may be one of our one or two position groups that have a question mark, but it may be the second most important position on the field, which is kind of scary, but you know, I'm, I'm hopeful and Fick we trust he's going to spray that <laughs> magical sweat all over the offensive line room. Bring it and, full circle, baby. And he's going to turn these boys into grown ass men and they're going to go out there and they're going to curb stomp those Notre Dame defensive linemen. In Fick, we trust. Cheers, boys. <laughs>